I'm Dylan Stafford, and welcome to Drive Time, UCLA Anderson's podcast about some of the most interesting and ambitious people in our community. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. Welcome to Drive Time. My name is Dylan Stafford. I'm an assistant dean here at UCLA Anderson, and my pleasure today is to interview Annika Sharin, class of 2020, uh, getting ready to graduate here in just a month or two. And uh, I'm so grateful to get to be with Annika today. I've been wanting to conduct this interview for not quite a year, for about nine months. We were talking at the dean's house at the uh, FEMBA Council um, end of year celebration last year. We had this wonderful conversation, and uh, Annika commutes from the Bay Area. So you're going to get to hear about the craziness of living in the Bay Area, but going to graduate school in Westwood here at UCLA. And I really love her story. She's a very educated person, as I will tell you more in a moment, um, with with a lot of options in her life. And she put UCLA in her choice group. She had many schools to choose from. She chose to come to us and she's been a very active student leader. And I just think you're going to really enjoy hearing how Annika has juggled all of this work-life family uh, and changed careers and just has uh, many, many great outcomes. So a couple of data points, as I said, well-educated, undergraduate at Bangladesh University with a bachelor's in engineering, a master's in engineering uh, from electrical engineering from Santa Clara, a Stanford certificate in innovation and entrepreneurship. And in a few short months, Mm -hmm. she will be one of the newest members of the UCLA Anderson Alumni Network with her MBA focusing on technology and product management. She was also a Dean's Fellow. So, all right. And oh, and then what she does for a living, and you'll hear how she got to this job. uh, She is working in a health tech startup in Menlo Park called Site Sciences Inc., uh, which is actually founded by a UCLA alum. And she's a senior product operations manager. So definitely has made a pivot during school to a whole new realm of work. So with all of that, Hello, Annika. Thank you. Thanks for giving me opportunity to talk to you and everyone is um, on the screen or on their car driving. Thanks a lot. And this has been such a nice day to be again on campus. And normally we're, we're recording on a Friday afternoon. So normally you would not be here. So you kind of it's a tomorrow is a hybrid weekend. So what, what brought you down to L.A. a day early besides this? <laughs> Definitely you're on the top. That's why I came. But actually <laughs> there are like two conferences happening today. One is Evolve Conference, which is by the Retail Business Association or the club. And it's focused on the retail. And it's not actually the way we consider retail. It's more about what is the future of the retail. Mm. So that was I kind of like attended in the morning. And there is another conference. It's also by the Healthcare Business Association Club. And that's the Vitals Conference. That's also happened every year which is a very interesting conference for me because I work in health tech and I care about the healthcare industry. So that's why I am also here. So I'm kind of like juggling between these two conferences and in between, like I'm here to talk to you. Well, I appreciate it. And like I said, I waited nine months for this uh, <laughs> since or April or May of last year, yeah, maybe 10 months. So um, you have a you have a typical Californian accent, I hear. Really? (laughs) So maybe you didn't grow up in California. Where did did you grow up? So I'm born and raised in Dhaka, Bangladesh, which is the capital of Bangladesh, which is totally not like California at all, which is a very busy city. I always grew grew up in urban high-rise buildings. Mm. So living in California, which has been way different than my usual life. And I went to undergrad in Bangladesh and I went to Bangladesh University of Engineering and Tech. And if you actually check the big tech companies in the U.S., like Google, Facebook, Microsoft, 
you will find lots of alum from that school because it ranked number one for engineering in my country. Congratulations to get in there. Thanks a lot. It sounds like getting into <laughs> UCLA undergrad for... <laughs> I, I think so. That's yeah. why. And I did that. And after, when I was in my undergrad, uh, my family is actually engineer. My dad is from the same school. My sister was in that school. Oh, so really? it was kind of like in my around that yeah, I need to go for grad school. And when I was finishing up my undergrad, my sister was doing her PhD in US in University of Maryland College Park okay. oh. in cybersecurity. And she kind of like motivated me like, if you pick grad school, definitely pick U.S. Really? Okay, yeah. so she suggested. Okay. She suggested that because that time I was considering Europe for my grad school. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, because like I was always like fascinated about the European arts and culture. So I was like learning French that time. Nice. And I was thinking like, maybe like I'll pick a country where I can travel and learn about the culture. And then my sister motivated me to apply for U.S. because she said, if you want to learn about culture, it's the melting pot. Mm -hmm. Come learn mm -hmm. the culture. And if, if you want to be in tech, definitely U.S. would be the great one. Mm -hmm. And that time, um, me and my fiance, we both are applying for grad school. Okay. So we picked a few schools here in West Coast, Stanford, uh, Santa Clara, and also in East Coast, MIT, Boston. So that's how we picked the school. And Santa Clara was in my mind because of, they are in the Silicon Valley, like right. they are focusing on entrepreneurship and I enjoy working with teams. So when I was going through the school website, I saw that they're very much focused on this type of project, like energy innovation project. And that made me like interested to apply for the school. So that's an interesting thing. I also apply. I actually did not come to Santa Clara University first. I got a full ride in a school in Oregon, Portland in, State in Portland. University. Okay, I saw that. On yeah, your so I profile. first moved there for my grad school, and somehow the weather did not suit me. That rain. You didn't like all the rain. <laughs> no, <laughs> and especially coming from a sunny, top, tropical country, it was hard for me. And then I was like, okay, like I checked Santa Clara University before. Why don't I apply there this time again? Because like when I applied first time, um, I did not get full ride. Okay. But I want, and then I got full ride in multiple schools, and I, I picked the school which gave me the best possible combination of financial aid and also the sure. program. And See, you didn't have your MBA <laughs> yet, but you're thinking like an MBA already. <laughs> <laughs> and because like to me, like also like the uh, culture I was brought in, like. I never, act, I always had scholarship throughout my undergrad. Like I never had to pay tuition for my undergrad mm -hmm. because I was always getting merit scholarship or dean's scholarship. So that was kind of like in my mind that for my grad school, I also want to get full ride. Then I again reached out to Santa Clara, I applied, then I got scholarship. So I transferred to sunny California and definitely all the Silicon Valley tech bubble, or I would say like where you actually get to explore your ideas. And your, your fiance was... And in that, grad school also? Yeah, he went to Stanford. So that time he was, by that time, he became my husband. Ah, okay. <laughs> oh, but you had to be Portland and, yeah, and, and Palo, Alto Palo Alto for a year? Um, I would say like a little bit less than a year. Okay. Because it's one academic year, which is like okay. nine months. So yeah, he was in Stanford for doing his PhD. So I moved to Silicon Valley. We used to live on Stanford campus. Oh, nice. And as I became more interested doing like co group project, not just being by myself. The good thing about being on Stanford, you can take any classes, even though you're not a student, rather you're a spouse. 
So I took that advantage. Like nice. w- the days I did not have class, I would actually go to Stanford grad school, GSP, and take some classes with them. Like it's kind of like auditing the class. I'm sure. not doing the homework, but you're learning. You actually get to see like what the business school is teaching them. And I kind of like fell in love with the whole idea, like how we can make a bridge between the tech and business. Mm-hmm. And not, because as an engineering student and having a network for all engineers, you actually don't get to see how you can change lives by using the tech. Like mm-hmm. we're doing innovation, but yeah. not an, in layman terms, right? When you're in the business, you have to put your shoes in the layman term who doesn't understand tech at all. Mm-hmm. So how you can make it available. So taking the like auditing those classes, being at GSB, like that motivated me. But I also did not want to quit my job or like quit my school and just go to business. Mm-hmm. And so I decided, no, let me finish my master's and let me see where my expertise is. Then I'll decide on business school. So I finished my master's and I actually started my full-time job during my master's. I didn't even wait until graduation. Oh, you were busy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I was doing full-time school and full-time job like from the last two quarters of my business school, uh, like Santa Clara University. And there I focused more on like quality management because I felt like that's the team who work with everyone in the company. Okay. Like everyone is stakeholder. So I I more focused enjoy that no i enjoy working in a team and i i enjoy being in the business side i want to learn more and then i switched to another and i also wanted to like go for a smaller company be in a startup and also like you know you're in silicon valley you want to get that silicon valley vibe yeah you gotta you gotta try <laughs> you put your foot in the yes. water so i switched my job and that was exactly like do you know the tv series silicon valley mm-hmm. oh yes yes <laughs> So my life at that company was exactly like kind of like the TV series. Yeah, that, that's part of why that's such an acclaimed show is the yeah. reality component. It's very cliche because like uh, the roads where they used to shoot in Palo Alto, I used to live in that area. Mm-hmm. I lived on Ramona for two years when I lived in, yeah, I right? in Santa Clara. Yes, And, and I recognize those, so all those things. So I was like, I joined a startup and then I started working with international teams. So I launched a product. I moved the manufacturing to the China. So I moved the jobs from US to China. Oh no. <laughs> but actually, like we figured out we just moved the manufacturing, but we hired more people in sales here so that we that was an interesting experience for me. Yeah, and it's subtle like that. It's not always instant black and white. No, it's not it, like that. It's who can do what best in a very complex global supply chain reality. Exactly. And it's actually like when we get to here, like the jobs are moving, mm-hmm. it's actually not because you might have been using the site to build the product, but who are managing those team? The management team is here. Mm-hmm. So you are actually managing with US employees, some China Chinese employees. So it's not like exactly moving. It's more like you're shifting the workforce to do the things you're doing better. Mm-hmm. I feel like especially in US, we are really good at solving problems rather than following. So I think that's what we did. We hmm. did the problem solver hiring more in the US and the solution followers in China so or Asia. So that's what I felt we did. That was a very interesting experience. And then I decided I want to start my business school. Okay. So and it was about four years from the end of Santa Clara until yeah. the beginning of, because you would have begun UCLA 2017. Yeah, I started in 2017 fall. So I worked four years after my grad school. And then I decided I want to start 
applying. So then I picked, first I picked like what I want to do. I want to be a full-time student, go back to school, mm -hmm. or I want to learn and use it every day. Okay. And then I figured, no, I want to learn and I want to use it every day rather than just wait two years and then go back to workforce. And and you would have at, at Stanford's GSB, you would have been watching daytime MBA students. So yes. you kind of saw what it's like, you know, being yeah. a full time grad student. Full time so you, grad student. And you had done it yourself and like, of course, because like I, I was going there, like, for example, I did not have class two days a week. I would have during my master's, I had class three days a week. Mm -hmm. So other two days I would go and sit with the GSB students. OK, so you'd seen that world and yeah. then you're asking yourself, which one do I want? Do keep I my want, job, yeah, keep my job or, and, or be a full time And also student. like when I was applying for my MBA and my husband was doing his PhD, he was a grad student. So mm -hmm. I definitely want to say when you make any decisions like at work, you consider who are your stakeholders, right? And how mm. you can make your case in front of them. So when I decided about my MBA, I tried to figure out who are the stakeholders, my husband, my parents back home. Mm -hmm. So those are my stakeholders and also my job because I was working full time. So how I can present my case so it's actually doable. Mm -hmm. Because if I go for a good school, which is out of Bay Area and I become a full time student, that means long distance relationship. So he's one stakeholder. And also I have parents who are not here. They live in Bangladesh, so I also have to visit them. So I need to have the financial solvency so that I can go and visit them. Plane tickets right? cost money from California yeah, to, Bangladesh. to Bangladesh. So all those things like I, and also like my family is kind of like international because I have siblings, she lives in France. I also go to Europe every year. To oh, so you do her. get to use a little of your French. <laughs> Not much, I kind of like forgot my French. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Other than like very simple things. So all those, I kind of like considered them as my stakeholders so that I can present my case that I want to go back to school, but how? Okay. And then I picked two schools, UC Berkeley and UCLA, mm -hmm. because of definitely their track record. Mm -hmm. Because I kind of like, I wanted to be in healthcare because when I was applying, I was in a health tech company and I really care about healthcare. Like mm -hmm. I'm not a voter, but like in the US, but I I follow all the healthcare bills. I want to know where healthcare is going, how people are getting affected, mm -hmm. or which disease we need to tackle in next five years or mm -hmm. next 10 years. So that's why I check like the pro schools who has program or alumni or like the classes in health tech or healthcare. Then I started like searching like the employees, for example, in top health tech company like JNJ, Genentech, Amgen, with like a neighbor yes, company from UCLA. Edward Life Sciences, GNJ, like who are their employees? What is their background? Mm -hmm. And definitely UCLA stood up that, okay, there are so many employees in Amgen who went to UCLA for their MBA. Or if you consider consulting like GS Associates who mm -hmm. are like focused on healthcare consulting, where did they go for the MBA UCLA? So that's how I picked my schools. Mm -hmm. And then I applied and before application, I went to many admission events I talked to the admission office and I even called multiple times here, like joined the webinars about how to write your resume, what they want. Mm -hmm. So that definitely like helpful. So it's kind Excellent. of like even before you become a student, you're trying to make a relationship, if mm. it's a fit in for you or not. And then I got to interview in both schools. I applied. So before the interview, I also reached out to alumni and mm. those alumni like, yeah, I didn't know them in my prior life, but definitely the alumni from UCLA, they stood up as one community. Mm -hmm. When I reached out to them, they were like giving me advices, like 
do this, do that. Or they would like even tell me like, do you want to catch up again for 20 minutes and do a mock interview with me? Oh my and goodness. which was like, I would say the peak for me, like, mm -hmm. okay, like they don't know me. They graduated from this school 10 years ago and they're offering me 20 more minutes mm -hmm. so that I can come back and do a mock interview. Like I still remember those alumni and their names. Like I'm still in contact with them because when I got That's in, so I kind of like reached out to them and said, you helped me. And I got into this program and they have been like, I would say like a cheerleader mm. for me on the background. So those are the things like I really felt that made me connected. So during the, I would say when I came here for Super Saturday, mm -hmm. that was a fun experience. Like the Super Saturday is like a game day, right? <laughs> Everyone is here. I've never heard it called a game day, but that's very <laughs> optimistic. <laughs> no, in your mind, you're coming. That's the thing. Like I feel like when I'm flying down here, mm -hmm. like for that Super Saturday, like in my mind, I felt like it's a day to compete mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. all other co candidates. But when I did the interview, I actually did not feel that at all. No. Because the person who is interviewing you was alumni mm -hmm. or maybe a current student. So you actually get to talk heart to heart what they're feeling. Mm. And that's why, like, even though you, I, I, when I came flying down, I felt like it's a game day. Mm -hmm. I have to compete. But when I was here, I did not feel that at all. That was also another, like, high peak moment for me. Like, no, that's cool. Like, we are not here to do a fight. We are rather here to build a community. So mm -hmm. that's, I really felt connected so at that moment I was like no like I want to be here <laughs> and, and I love that that's this is the part <laughs> I waited nine months to record because when we talked about this at Dean Freish's home I you know obviously I admit you know the Bay Area is full of intelligent hardworking people they apply down here we admit them and I know if they're admitted to Berkeley also oftentimes they're going to choose to go to Berkeley physically because it's closer yeah, it's definitely close and your your stature in my mind just went up whenever you reminded me, no, I was admitted there also, but I chose to come down here and you really chose, like, call it culture or fit or nice people, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and I think that that idea of, of share success is one of our pillars. I love that about UCLA that it, people are, I don't know, Los Angeles is crazy because it, it looks easy, the <laughs> palm trees and Disneyland, but to live here, to live in California in the big cities, yeah, it's, it's fast paced, it's expensive. And yet there's something about California that I find very endearing that smart people who are also open and curious and very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So I loved that. So, you know, and I love Berkeley, Marjorie, the whole team up there. <laughs> great, <laughs> great, great. Rahul, I love you all. Uh, Marjorie, of course, is a graduate of Anderson. I have to throw that in. Um, so she's running the show at Berkeley. Um, so so you chose UCLA. And tell, when we were talking earlier, I loved how you kind of articulated because a lot of people listening to this will be alumni and friends, but some people will be new admits or, or, or considering. And it's it's a two and a half to three year academic journey while you have a full time life and yes. a full time career. And talk about the way you feel the three years go. Sort of what was your one like and your two and, and now sure. in the <laughs> in the finish line. Year. Yes, I can see the finish line finally. So definitely like after you get that admission, that's like a high moment, right? You're like doing like, I'm going to do this, 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 this. And you will see so much opportunity for you here. Mm. There are so many clubs who are here to help you. Mm -hmm. They're like a career center. They're here to help you, train you. But after you join, like especially for, like me, like as if with a full-time job and if you have family or commitment, then you cannot do it all. Can't Everything. do it all. Cannot. Yeah, so that might be like you feel like I'll join 
all the twinny clubs. <laughs> no, you Don't cannot. Do <laughs> Don't do that. Like, I also did like join 10 clubs first year, but then I figured out, no, like these two are my focus. Okay. You joined many and then I joined came 10 back. first year. You, you literally joined 10. Yeah, I literally Not a figure of speech. She joined no. 10. She joined I joined 10. 10. Annika is amazing. So I just want you to know. No. She's amazing. No. I would say like, no, like you're not going to, you're going to be disappointed at yourself if you actually join 10. Like well, there's just not enough hours in the week. No. And also I used to travel a lot for work and my travels okay. are always in Asia. So <laughs> Big whenever, trip. Yeah. Yeah, whenever I'm traveling, like I'm jet lag after coming back. So I have to catch up with homework. So mm-hmm. you don't always have time to join all the club events and so you brought 10 down to two you said. yes okay. i'm still in that two what were what were the two you chose so i'm still like doing all the operation the soma club soma okay yeah and also the health what is care. what does it stand for strategy operations strategy Man- operations management, management association yeah. okay soma we have many <laughs> many acronyms like all business yeah, schools. another one is hba healthcare business so these two like I really follow mm-hmm. and and they fit your world they, they yeah fit your... they fit my world and they also fit kind of like soma is kind of like thing it's not industry specific okay because the other clubs are very industry specific like okay. retail is one industry tech is one industry but operations is everywhere it can you can be working in the mayor's office next day you can work in your own startup you mm-hmm. never know that's how operation is and I do operation management so and I care about health tech and healthcare industry. So these two match with my interest and bigger goal. So I'm still stuck or like still follow them. But yeah, it's really hard if you create, what is your expectation from yourself? Like, mm-hmm. I think we all come with definitely highest expectation. Everyone is very smart in the class. We'll feel like every class you'll go like the discussion because it's a case-based program, right? You discuss mm-hmm. about your case study, you'll feel like, I didn't think about that. Like, like all you will have those awe moment every mm-hmm. day, almost in every class. Really? Yeah, because especially like I would say that when you start the electives from mm-hmm. the second year, you'll enjoy your classes more. Mm. Because first year it's a cohort and it's like the basic class like finance, economics. Yeah, it's all the foundations of all business. All the foundations this of business. This is the the part of the MBA that everyone forever assumes you know no so and it's those, important you got to build important. those foundation blocks so it's very important so like those are the things you're very busy day to day like on those classes but when you start your electives those are based on your interest mm-hmm. so you're kind of like yeah. picking okay like i i'm highly interested in finance so you kept taking finance classes so you are more in tune in the class i would say you have more interest and Every case is kind of like different. Everyone is bringing different perspective. And the best thing is like when you start your second year, it doesn't matter which program you are, like FEMBA, EMBA or full-time. Mm-hmm. We all are taking classes together. Yeah, that, that idea that you can co-enroll into yeah. the electives across programs is exactly. a wonderful element of the share success attitude here. Yeah. And if you have like work flexibility, if because some of my friends who decided on second year, like, no, I want to quit my job and finish my MBA. They actually did classes with full-time students during daytime on weekdays. And you were all day Saturday in year one. Yeah, year one. So you could have done hybrid, which is every three weeks, mm-hmm. one weekend, but you chose to come down. Every week. Did you fly Friday night or Saturday morning? or Depends. Come? Depends? Yeah, depends. Sometimes Friday night, if I wanted to meet my friends for dinner, or sometimes Saturday early morning, the first flight. Because from Bay Area, like, yeah, you I mean, it's just many up in, flights. Yeah. So 
some people used to drive, but I oh, really? preferred yeah. to like fly because yeah. I, I like my sleep. <laughs> and the grapevine, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. So like, that's what like I did. Like, and sometimes I would go back Saturday night, sometimes Friday morning, depending on if there is any Or Sunday events. morning. Sorry, Sunday morning. Yeah. Okay. Because like there are many events, like when you join the school, you'll see like casino night, Femba end of the year party. We also do like a Vegas trip. I did yeah. that first year. So whole Femba class will go. Did you take your husband? Did he get to go? Yeah, he, he was. He, has he made some Femba friends <laughs> along the way? Uh, not much because like he that's the only event he could join. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, it's hard if it's just <laughs> Yeah, one. because like he was like finishing up his PhD that time. So he couldn't, yeah, get much time like to join okay, all those sure. trips. And so, so, so you said year one is sort of figuring out the MBA, 10 clubs yeah. down to two, choosing your schedule. You choose, you chose the all day Saturday schedule and then. Year two, you said it was more how to how to use the MBA, and then you exactly. pulled a pivot during year <laughs> of two. Course. So that's the thing. Like in year two, you get to know like what is your interest because mm-hmm. that's where you're gonna start taking electives. Because as an MBA student, like definitely when you start for the next role, you want to see yourself. You just don't want to get a job. You want a job where you can thrive, and you can prosper. So that has to be something similar to your interest. So I would say like in second year, I started feeling like, no, I enjoy operations and I want to be in operations role. Like I just don't want to be an engineering role. Rather, I want to be a bridge role between the engineering team and the business sales or marketing team. So that's where I feel like operation is a role where it suited me because I am responsible for delivering the product to the marketing and sales. And I'm also responsible to understand what the product should be from the R&D team. Mm-hmm. The operation sits in between both. Mm-hmm. So, and then I- Somebody has to build it. Someone yeah. has to bring it to the market. Someone has to talk to those two worlds. Yes, and I do that. That's my yeah. day-to-day, like from morning to evening. Like even yesterday, I was making training videos for the doctors with the marketing team. Really? Yeah. And well, whenever there is issue, sometimes I go visit the doctors just to listen to them. Like, because the doctors also want to talk about the technical part of the product when they see issues. So I go to the doctor side and we have many doctors in LA who are using our product. Mm-hmm. So I get to hear from them. And yesterday I was all day with R&D to discuss what should be the next version of the product. So I really enjoy being the middle person mm-hmm. in between all the teams, talking to the stakeholders. I enjoy doing that. And I kind of like do, did that pivot during my second year of the program. And I, that's, you started, you did take hybrid classes some then, which gave yeah. you a little more flexibility. Because you definitely need time to prepare for interviews. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in first year, when I'm flying down every Saturday, definitely, it was hard. Like mm-hmm. if you want to focus on finding a new job, like, but when I started doing the electives, I got more time to practice. And the good thing, the career center here, like Jackie, um, Pam, they work on weekends. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you want to practice interview, two or three days prior to your interview schedule, definitely they're here to help. Like, I would say like the way I mentioned earlier, like it's not like they're gonna write the answers for you. What Mm -hmm. should be this question? What should be your response? But they will give you honest feedback. They will do like a mock interview. And it's also helpful to hear yourself out that are you convinced? Wow, I said that out loud. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, how does actually it sound like, or Mm -hmm. how is your story? Like, is it a good storyline? Or is it a strong story Mm -hmm. for that answer? Like, especially I feel like that really helps. And also like what another thing I felt in Anderson, like 
I did mock interview with my friends, my classmates, mm -hmm. because they all have work experience. You have FEMBA, EMBA, full-time students, all in the same class. And some of the EMBA students, they have 25 years of job experience. Mm -hmm. They are the one hiring managers. So doing a mock interview with them, like you actually get to hear the feedback from other side of the table. That, that helped me. That's what a hiring director would sound like. Exactly. Or, yeah, a C-suite, whomever. Yeah. Now, at Site Sciences, your your current employer, uh, founded by a UCLA alum, yes. that's uh, Anderson alum. Uh, did they find you? Did you find them? How did that happen? So the um, the thing, the way it worked out, they found me first, mm -hmm. and they reached out to me to interview. And that time, I was actually not exactly looking for a job because this I is what I tell <laughs> Fembas. This is the thing: if you have an MBA, and then they come looking, it's, yeah, that's oh, true. Tell me more. Tell me more. So that's how it <laughs> happened. And then I started talking to the hiring manager and then the hiring manager mentioned about like, our CEO wants to talk to you. Nice. So I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. The CEO sounds even wants to interview. So mm -hmm. which, and that may be interesting. Then I, which just doesn't happen as much with an no, Amgen or an Edwards. No, you don't get to see that like in big companies, the CEO also want to talk to you because then I went there and the CEO mentioned like, oh, like you're going to Anderson. I also went to Anderson. This is the class of mine. And he just kept talking about his Anderson experience. So I had, I was supposed to have like a half an hour interview with the CEO. It became two and a half an hour. Two and a half hours. It started at 10. <laughs> and then oh my God. around 12.30, I had Our podcast check. will not go two and a half hours. That's amazing. <laughs> what do you talk about for two and a half hours? You must have just... Actually, Bonded on it's science, like, on, on healthcare? No, I would say like everything. On everything. We bonded on Anderson. He was talking about like our current Aww. dean, Osborne. Like he was like how he liked his classes or uh, all the programs because he was in a fellowship okay. to be like in venture capital side because Anderson has a fellowship. So you can apply for that fellowship. Mm -hmm. And he was on that track. So he was telling me wow. how that fellowship shaped his life because he was a pre-med student. He was all in biology and science. Then he came to Anderson, got a fellowship to be in venture capital. And after that, he had his own venture capital. He got success through his venture capital. And during one conference, he came up with this idea of the product, like because the doctors were like discussing and they were mentioning like one surgical product they use, which has some issues. And he talked with his brother, who is also ophthalmologist. They came up with the idea and started working on this and now this company is we have like 150 employees with 25 million annual revenue even though we are a startup wow yeah 150 employees as a startup is yeah you know, and we have, that's a real startup that's really it's a startup that has started revenue. up exactly yeah. and, and, you have, and you have positive revenue yeah definitely we are prepping to go ipo and he, i feel like especially working with him mm -hmm. all the four anderson like the build, building your community share success, mm -hmm. those are actually practicing in the company. Mm -hmm. The way like we keep mentioning share success in Anderson, he's actually doing that from top down in the company. Like when you work in a startup, you don't expect to get like annual bonus, right? Mm -hmm. But in a startup, we are still in venture money. We get annual bonus on our performance mm. because he wants to share that. The revenue, like, it's not a public company. He doesn't need to share. But mm -hmm. every week, he mentioned this week, this is our revenue. This week, this is what we made. This week, this is what we sold. So that's, I felt like all those concepts kind of like he practiced. 
or like in school like it's not like every day we are practicing mm-hmm. but it's back of our mind the people who came to this school they want to share success so i can see that in the company well and for people listening who may you know every school has a tagline or a motto but the process that we went through was was uh, it took like 18 months it was faculty students alumni the business community and we we went through like a legitimate deep marketing focus group situation to ask okay, every school has a culture. What's the culture of Anderson? And the, the three pillars of, I, I, for me, it's think fearlessly, share success, drive change, head, heart, gut. Okay. You know, that you're going to think more crisply and concisely. You can deal with the complexity of a modern business situation. You're going to have this network and you're going to have the confidence. You know, I can, I can think better. I can share success. I can drive change. It was more than just a tagline. It was actually like all the different focus groups could agree that, yeah, that is what they knew to be congruent with the atmosphere, the space of this place. And to me, that has a whole other level of depth than uh, something that sounds good. Mm-hmm. And, and I find that to be true. This, there's so many smart people walking around the halls. 25% of them have a master's degree already. So, yeah, yeah, and, and married and, you know, like between your father and your husband and you, I mean, you guys could start your own company. Um, your sister, my God, right? Like that's an intelligent family with lots of options around the world, could have gone to Europe, came to America. So you have all these people, but it's not a very arrogant environment. Not at all. Con- com- commensurate with the accomplishment academically that walks the halls. And then there is this kind of California vibe. And then there's this gut check about, yeah, 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 that's all nice. You're smart and you're a nice person, but you do have to hustle to make it in California. It 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 is expensive. There's traffic or <laughs> airplane rides or, yeah, you know, and, and <laughs> yeah, so. That's part of life. It's part of life. But you have to have that attitude that I'm not going to let that be the conversation because exactly. I my eye is on an entire industry. Yeah. I don't even vote in this country currently. But I'm interested in what this country is wrestling with as it tries to figure this out. Because I'm part of the community. Yeah. And you're helping make this place work. Of course. Yeah. I love all that. Okay. So <laughs> one wow result. That was one wow result was sort of doing a pivot mid, mid-career. mid um, We were talking also, you just, so just recently you came back from one of our global immersions. Exactly. Tell, tell mm-hmm. us about that. Of course. Like this has been like one of the most amazing experience for me really? in Anderson in the last two years, going to the global immersion. Where, where did you go? Nickelberg. I went to uh, Singapore and Thailand. Mm. So it's very interesting. Like I grew up in Bangladesh. I did my undergrad, but I did not have career in Bangladesh because right after when I was doing my undergrad, I was in senior year. I applied for grad school in the U.S. Okay. already. I had my scholarship and everything. So like I was already like prepping for that. So I did not get much time to build a career in Bangladesh. So for last couple of years, like I have been working with few startups in Bangladesh as a mentor. And I am seeing like so much things are happening, especially like in Asia, Southeast Asia, like Vietnam, Singapore, Thailand, and the way the tech industry is booming because the population is very young. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, like for my immersion, I want to go for Asia. So there are multiple options for Asia. One is China, Hong Kong. Another one is Singapore, Thailand. And I was like, no, I go to China and Hong Kong for work <laughs> almost every month. And I work with that community. So I kind mm-hmm. of like get the vibe. But Singapore and Thailand seems like a backyard. And the way it's changing, especially think about like 
Brexit happened recently, mm-hmm. and so many companies moved their headquarters to Singapore because of the location. Mm. So I wanted to learn more about Singapore, and Professor Nicholsberg took us there, and we were there like a week. So two days in Singapore, we got to actually not only meet the alums in Singapore, we got to hear from the government employees from Singapore, like the ministers were there to tell us like what is the next plan for Singapore, what is the 10 years from now Singapore want to do. Mm. We got to hear about like um, from the government groups like who are working on like taking Singapore or preparing Singapore for the next wave of technology change. So all those are amazing. Like I had no idea about that. And I was amazed like, okay, like there's so much opportunity like to work there. And then we went to Thailand. That was another three days trip. Definitely it's a beautiful country amazing food and alumni were there to talk to oh. us but even with without all those like the opportunities they have like the, all the big tech companies they are actually starting their office also in thailand nowadays and the talent pool because whenever we try to hire or like outsource we don't actually think about southeast asia yet but okay. they're also building a talent pool mm-hmm. and the community, like they're going towards fintechs. All those were like very new for me. So I got to absorb a lot, learn a lot. And especially like when you're like a student here, like you don't always, especially here, like we have many amazing speakers we get in schools and we're always learning about like US industry, right? Mm -hmm. But you don't always get to hear about Southeast Asia when you're living here. So all those I get to hear in Singapore and Thailand. So it, it, it was amazing. And I also got to spend one more extra week in Thailand. Oh, very good. <laughs> yeah. Because if you go all the way over there, <laughs> so, I think I think everyone should get to the end of Fimba with no leftover <laughs> vacation days. Use no, them all. not negative. <laughs> go negative. Go negative. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, I'm negative. Like, you need that. Like, definitely it's hard. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you have like a hard final, you need a day to study. (laughs) So you need to take that PTO. And for example, like you want to attend a conference in school. So I had to take the day off today. So like, yeah, you you have, that's the thing. Like you have to consider who are the stakeholders from Mm -hmm. the beginning of your program. Like when I went to Italy for the, I also did like an immersion outside school in Italy for two weeks. So I had to take, two weeks time off then, but I got to work with the Italian company for that short time. So, which was an interesting experience. So that was your Italia innovation scholar yes. experience. Yes. Yeah. So that was very interesting to me because um, that was a program focused on sustainability in mm-hmm. business. So they're like people who have been working in like Patagonia and they're like some professors from Harvard, UC Berkeley. They were also teaching sustainability. And then we got to work with Italian company for a project on sustainability. And that was through the social impact group uh, here. No, that was uh, came through the social impact mm-hmm. group because or they uh, brought it to your awareness. Yeah, yeah, they they brought it to like the students because all those clubs they not only arrange events in school, but they will let you know what are the other events outside school you can attend. So that's how I got to know about the program, and then I applied, and then I stayed two weeks in Verona for the program. So 
Yeah, definitely like all those things. And you did that while you were keeping your full-time yes. job, while you were taking classes. Okay. So that's why like you don't, you would have your PTO. <laughs> Used up all your days and you had a second consulting experience yeah. here with Cornerstone on Demand. Exactly. So that was through the Net Impact Consulting Challenge. So there is a Net Impact Club mm-hmm. and they focused on like impactful job and also like in nonprofit. So if someone has interest in nonprofit world, so this club is like the Net Impact Club is like a huge thing. Mm-hmm. And not every business school actually has that. Like when I talk to like other MBA students from top schools, few top schools, they say like, no, we don't have Net Impact Club. Mm. So they're struggling to know like, where can they go if they want to go for nonprofit? Mm-hmm. But UCLA has an impact club and it's very, I would say, well supported throughout the school because you can get consulting projects in LA with a nonprofit, work with them for six months, and you can also get course credit, which you can use it for your MBA. Mm. So the school is very supportive if mm-hmm. you want to do this outside consulting. So those opportunities like was amazing because um, I have been working as volunteer for multiple nonprofits back in the like in the Bay Area, but not as an employee. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to know how it is the nonprofit environment. Does it suit me as an employee or should I be a volunteer? Mm. So this consulting challenge actually helped me to figure out, no, I want to be volunteer. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> is, yeah, I love that career advice. <laughs> finding out what you want to do is also finding out what you do not want to do. Exactly. I because I always thought no I enjoy volunteering for them mm-hmm, that maybe mm-hmm. I want to be one of them mm-hmm. then I figured out no like especially I, I am happy like I I have been working in a startup so being in a environment which is not very structured it's fine with me but yeah I feel like I enjoy being in tech and the more I work like I feel like no I enjoy healthcare I love it. <laughs> Well, we, we talked about year one was figuring out Anderson. Year two was how to apply Anderson. Year three and looking ahead is the game plan and what's next. So as you start to, one class left after this quarter, right? Yes. So uh, the finish line is definitely in sight. And as you, as Annika looks five and 10 years forward, you know, what do you want to build next? Where do you want to, where do you want to go after your MBA? Sure. As MBA is almost like yeah, three months from now. So as I have been doing operations, mm-hmm. definitely for my next, I like five or 10, I would say 10 years from now, I want to see myself having my own company. Nice. And maybe in healthcare sector, it, and most probably in Asia, because okay. after this immersion, I kept feeling an urge mm-hmm. to go back to Asia. Mm-hmm. And actually, We've been here since 2011. Yeah, I moved to U.S. in 2011. Yeah, so that's that's a decade. Yeah. Yeah. And also, actually, after I came back from immersion, that urge of going back to Asia made me actually, I became involved in a healthcare startup back in Bangladesh. Oh, okay. So I have been working with them as a volunteer uh, to help them making business plan and everything. Because I'm here and not in Bangladesh. But like, yeah, like, that's the thing. Like all those small things, like that immersion brought back that urge. You know, I want to be in that side of the world mm-hmm. and again made me okay like let, let me figure out if i have time to help the company there yeah well so, you're a global citizen i mean you're already a global citizen you've established <laughs> yes. your bona fides experientially academically you've yeah. built you've built networks on two continents Definitely. at least and also anderson gives you the network worldwide it's not like just california mm-hmm. your classmates are from everywhere uh, 
they're moving after graduation everywhere. So you can, wherever you go, which country you go, you maybe find at least one mm -hmm. Anderson alum, right? So all those things, like 10 years from now, I actually want to be in healthcare. And five years from now, I want to see myself in a strategy role, mm -hmm. most probably acquisition or merger okay. in healthcare. So that's, that's what like I'm right now, like preparing myself. And, and, and how's my, your how's your confidence interval? You, I mean, do you feel ready to, to so. live that next decade? Do you have what you need? I think like school definitely prepped me. Good. And one thing I know, like even though I'm graduating mm -hmm. in a couple of months, it's not like I'm gone because I'm already being involved in the school. Like um, they're like organization like to keep plan for the next part of Anderson. Like I'm already working with GAP. Mm -hmm. The GAP is like a master's thesis. Like what they can improve for the upcoming students for next year so it's like the moment you become alumni it doesn't mean your relationship ends it's mm -hmm. like you just get a new dimension of your relationship are you school. going to be a gap fellow or i haven't decided that or maybe yet. consulting to gap yeah because general? like i don't live here okay so being a mm -hmm. gap fellow means more like physical involvement okay. yeah so at least for next one year i want to do less flying. <laughs> <laughs> a little less flying. Well, and you can consult to them. And, yeah, so yeah. that's my plan. Like, that's what I told them. Like, if I can do anything virtually, like mm -hmm. not being in school that much, I am happy to do that. And also there are like alumni uh, committees who are like for the bigger Anderson. So I'm also getting involved with them. And the ambassador is still there. Like I'm still talking to potential students whenever. Yeah, that's right. The last two things. The last two things yeah. was we haven't talked about ambassadors. <laughs> In addition to everything else you've done, you've uh, been an active leader and volunteer in our ambassador world, which is our student ambassador core for you know of FEMBA, by FEMBA, to FEMBA, for FEMBA. To you know, tell some people because you've had a couple of leadership roles, diversity and inclusion, and then this year's leadership. Mm -hmm. Tell people a little bit about. If you're going to be in FEMBA, you might want to be a FEMBaster. What's that been like of for course. you? And FEMBA Council also, either one. Yeah, FEMBA Council or FEMBASADOR, like, I feel like they are the one like who will be your voice, right? So mm -hmm. if you want to be voice of your class, definitely FEMBASADOR or being in the FEMBA Council, that will be your path. Mm -hmm. And that's like a safe place if you want to like practice leadership, depending mm. on which part of your career you are in maybe you're like right now not in leadership role and you want a safe place to practice the leadership opportunities leadership principles and also like the three pillars of anderson i think these two places will be your place and definitely there are many other clubs who sure. are like career specific but these two clubs are mostly like ambassador is focused on the next class yeah you're helping the schools to bring who will be the, in the next class and it's kind of like <laughs> you're helping the school to make your network. You're picking the people yeah. who should be in your network. And oh, that's a great way to say it. You're picking the people who will be in your network yeah, or should be in your network. Yeah, because yeah. like when you think about like the alumni, you didn't pick them. They are picking you to be in the network. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and when you're like interviewing. I like that. I've never thought of it that way. Yeah, because the alumni are already there. So yeah, they're you're picking, not picking you. Them. So, but now you get to pick the generation that comes behind. Exactly. So when you become ambassador, like, you get that option who mm -hmm. should be your friend mm -hmm. or who you want to be part of like Anderson. When you all run the chats and you send exactly. us the notes, Raymond, you know, we put them all in the CRM and, and as we go through the journey, we oh, they came to the chat in Irvine or exactly. Palo Alto or San Francisco. or And 
students remember like I, yeah. I kind of like feel like I remember like whenever I went to any chat any dinner any phone call mm-hmm. I remember like what those current student or alumni told me yeah, I don't know who the alumni are who helped Annika choose <laughs> us over Berkeley but you know I, I'll send you a coffee cup or something I don't know because I loved that part of your journey because I have full respect for Berkeley I have respect for the entire UC system we're a Beacon All on the, the hill. All the schools are very good. Yes, and and we have Stanford. You know, the West Coast has a wonderful. We educate people in the in the Cal State system, in the UC system, and you know this is the most populated state in this country. Sure. And what we do with the youth, like you said, you know, Thailand and Southeast Asia are full of young people. That's Mexico is full of young people. We've, you know, we've eradicated much disease. People live better. They live longer. And now we have, you know, how do we create societies that can have places for people to participate in healing and education and manufacturing and thinking and arts. It's a big challenge the world is in front of. But I loved Dean Oli and she would always say, like Los Angeles is a top five, top 10 city in the world. We have all the opportunity and we have all the challenge all at the same time. So if you wanna be on the cutting edge, this is the type of place you wanna be. Of course, and that's the good part of UCLA. Like, I feel like when I was looking for schools, definitely everyone highlights this is the area, right? This mm-hmm. has all the opportunities. But as an MBA, like, you also want to work on the challenges. Mm-hmm. So maybe we are highlighting, okay, like, um, LA has the Silicon Beach, but we should also highlight, okay, LA has one challenge that homelessness and traffic. Yeah. How, after your school, you can help that. So I feel like, that's where UCLA is like definitely all the highs are here, but we have to serve the community. So if you want to serve your community, UCLA is the place and you can go fix the challenges. Like the highs are always going to be for right. you. You're coming from, from a good school. You are smart. I feel like that's same for every candidates for all the UC schools. But if you have to fix the challenges of the community, come here. Well, my, um, new offering post admit for people is the leadership lab idea we had four last year and they were just femba this year we're going to have three opportunities one in april one in may one in june and they're two hour workshops either in person or zoom and i'm partnering with dr kush kushnama cooper from msw the masters in social welfare and her career she's an advocate for homelessness she's an advocate for lgbtq youth in foster care many of whom disproportionately end up homeless that the the foster families don't know what to do they have they have a worldview that doesn't match and she is an active advocate going to sacramento multiple times a year on behalf of this reality that between 40 and 80,000 people are sleeping on the streets in this county every night and it's it's so big that i think a lot of people don't even know how to get their head around it and what i love about the richness of ucla overall i mean here we are the best management practice, typically in a for-profit world, sometimes in a non-profit world. You said earlier, some of these things connect. Of course. The, 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 the mindset that has you run a successful company can have you run a successful hospital, can have you run a successful city. university or city or society. And I, I get so inspired working with the master's degree students over there. And, and so this year for Leadership Lab, we're going to have MSW and wow. EMBA and FEMBA and public health. So we're gonna have onboarding students from four graduate programs in these three labs. I want to do that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't think of it in 2017. I hadn't thought of it yet, but you know, that's, it's the evolving thing because I'm, I'm in love with this reality that there are 
125 different graduate programs of study here. You know, I, I mean, we're, we're happy to build bridges between EMBA and FEMBA full-time. That's wonderful. Like you said, you can cross-pollinate in the electives. But there's the law school and the medical school exactly. and the sciences on South Campus. And it's such it's such the opportunity. And exactly. I love I love your story, Annika, because you, I don't know how you did it. What's your husband's name? Rasul. Rasul? Yeah. Rasul Islam. Rasul? Yeah. Rasul, thank you for, I don't even know. I I, mean, I don't, I, I listen to your story. I'm like, where does she get the hours? You know, how do you, yeah, he's how do you travel back and forth to Asia? How does he get a PhD? You are just an amazing couple. And we got two puppies during my MBA. <laughs> two puppies. Puppies, four-legged. Yeah. So one puppy one year ago and another puppy four weeks ago. Oh my goodness. Is that the graduation puppy? No, like actually we always like when we grew up, we wanted to have a dog, but we put high rises. Yeah, high rises. And, yeah. We did never even had yard. So we never had puppy. Yeah. So somehow like we wanted a puppy. So last year we got our first puppy and he has been great. And what what kind is he? So he's a terrier mix. He's a West Highland and Jack Russell terrier. Aww. He's very intelligent, feisty. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's very quiet to his parents. Like, oh, nice. He's the nicest puppy to us, not to anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, actually, so he's a, uh, we adopted him from a shelter. And then we felt like, okay, it's been a year. He needs, because um, we have long work hours. He goes to daycare. He's wild. So maybe another sibling <laughs> would be good for him. <laughs> so we took him to shelter to pick another puppy. So this time he picked another puppy. Oh. So she's actually Australian cattle dog, Blue Hill. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, she, she is also <laughs> oh my goodness okay so your hands are full all right yeah, well, so definitely my husband is taking care of the puppies when i'm flying here so well thank you thank you thank you yeah. <laughs> that's why like whenever like some, that's what i mentioned like he's a stakeholder yeah, yeah stakeholder. he's a stake and thank you for they have to be all in being a stakeholder in your success because one class to the finish line yeah all right last question favorite productivity hack or or, or one something that's working for you how do you juggle all this what what works for you I would say I wouldn't say I'm good at multitasking. You would not say you're good at multitasking. <laughs> I would beg to disagree, but that's just me. Okay. But I try to figure out like priorities. Okay. Like every morning, I try to figure out what is the priority of my day. Okay. And if you if I feel like I want because I told you like I have families kind of like in different time zone, mm -hmm. so I definitely have to figure out when I can talk to them. Okay, Europe, and Bangladesh, Bangladesh, Europe, and my sister is. Another sister is East Coast. So two sisters in two different time zones. Oh, okay. In different time zone. Three hours, nine hours, <laughs> and then you got to go the other way. Exactly. So that's the thing. Like, I always put my family in my highest priority, then work and school at the same. So those are the things. Like, every morning, I kind of, like, remind myself what mm -hmm. is my priority so that I know, okay, this is the time I'm going to call or this is the time I'm going to work. So I have to sometimes like to work like even till midnight to make those but i don't regret so i feel like that's my hack figuring out my priority and, and do you have a special time in the morning do you do it when you have your coffee do you do it at work uh, or at home usually when i drive to work i oh, really? do all my calls like because i have like wi-fi connected <laughs> so not wi-fi so bluetooth connected with my phone sure so i do some phone calls especially with family and friends on the way to work 
But yeah. oh, I'm sorry, the prioritization piece. When does oh, when, like when do you morning, say, yeah, kind of like I do that in morning, like after I wake up. Mm -hmm. Do you write it down? Is it? Do you carry it's not it with like you? a mind thing. Like I kind of like figure out okay, how many. I check my calendar first thing. I okay. wake up and what are the meeting time I have for my work? Because I also have to figure out meeting time with my school work because there is always casework and you always have to work in a group. Mm -hmm. So first thing in the morning, I check my calendar and then I prioritize, okay, these are the things I need to do at work mm -hmm. for this day. And this is the priority. I have to call my mom or I have to call my sister. Like, who nice. should I call? <laughs> who do I call first? Which sister calls first? <laughs> Always got to call mom before sister. I don't know. I don't know. So like all those things, like after I see my calendar, like first five minutes in the morning, I just, it's kind of like not a long thing to write down, mm -hmm. more like a five minute hack that this is the priority for the day. Mm -hmm. And then I start my day because like, it takes like for me, like definitely depending on what is your family situation. Sure. And I have two puppies, so it's also work. <laughs> but like if someone has like young kids, they will also have different priorities. So every morning I try to think that. And I would say I don't think about like work life balance. I told you like mm -hmm. I feel like you're doing your work because you like it. So it's it's your life. That's your identity. Mm. So when you mention work life balance, like your work, to me, that word feels like your work is not your life. Mm -hmm. But that does not mean. And when someone says, oh, I don't have any life, I only work. That also doesn't make any sense to me. Mm -hmm. Because my work is my identity. My family is my identity. So Paul needs to get time from me. Mm -hmm. So that's my balance. Like I don't try to differentiate them. Whichever needs to be done, I do it. Oh, I love that. Because framing the issue is so important to how we relate to the issue. Yeah. And yeah, there's so many hours in the day. Everybody has the same allocation. So nobody has more. No. And I also need seven hours sleep minimum. So <laughs> that's a good hack. Yeah. Enough sleep. Enough. <laughs> so that's also another thing. Like the moment it hit mid hits midnight. No, I need to sleep because because if I don't sleep, I cannot function next yeah. day. So, yeah, those are the things like I feel like. I need that sometimes like that's the thing if you're in Femba there are so many events you want to but also you have like a family so those are the things sometimes I prioritize like this weekend I want to stay home or I want to party <laughs> <laughs> yes 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 the trade-offs yeah well um thank you for being so generous as you've shared with us your story um I hope you all have enjoyed it Annika is accomplished uh, she's educated she's carved out her her domain of healthcare and operations, and she's got five and 10 year goals. And I think you're going to hit all of them based on your record of success so far. You have the, you have the work habits and you've surrounded yourself with the right people and you've put yourself in so many opt-in opportunities to really take advantage. We didn't actually cover everything, um, but we covered a lot and I waited nine months for this interview. <laughs> um, I hope it's worth it for you. I hope you enjoy it. Annika, thank you very much. Thanks a lot. And thank you all for listening. And we'll have, more conversations with great people from UCLA on a future episode of Drive Time.